Good morning. We're grateful and thankful to have uh, each and every one of you here this morning. Uh, if you're visiting, pray that you uh, find here are people who are servants and lovers of the Word of God. One of the things that I've noticed, and perhaps you've noticed it too, is that our world is becoming what seems to be increasingly disconnected from each other. We struggle to have genuine and authentic and meaningful relationships with people. Even just this weekend, I heard that in Britain, they have now for the first time ever opened up a new ministry position, which is a government position where somebody is helping with the rising epidemic of depression. We are people who are increasingly disconnected from others. You know, I think we've probably all experienced what it's like to feel invisible in the presence of another human being. Have you ever sat across someone so focused on and so enamored with their device that there's even just a part of you that wants to say, I'm right here. Look at me. Acknowledge my presence. You see, whenever we are treated as if we are invisible, it's easy to begin to believe that maybe, in fact, we are invisible. See, we're in a world, I think, that is in need of more authentic and more genuine relationships. There's a man named Henry Nouwen who was a theologian who taught at Notre Dame and then at Yale and then at Harvard. And after 20 years of teaching in those institutions, he went and decided to work at a place called Daybreak, which was a home for people with intellectual disabilities. And Nouwen says he's not unaccustomed to difficult questions. He's um, one of the, the best-selling Christian authors. And so people would often ask his opinion, what do you think about this happening in the church, and what do you think about that? He wasn't unaccustomed to questions, but there was one question when he arrived at his new home that he said rattled him to the core. One of the people that he was working with, his name was Adam. He was a resident at Daybreak, and Adam would frequently ask Henry this question, are you going to be home tonight? You see, even though Henry had left academia, he still was a much sought-after speaker and would spend many evenings and weekends traveling across the country presenting. But for Adam, he didn't care about any of those things. All he wanted to know is, are you going to be home tonight? And now when says he thinks that because of Mark uh, Adam's intellectual disabilities, that he's asking a question out loud that we all ask internally, but we're never brave enough to ask out loud. Questions like, is there anybody who loves me? Is there anybody who really cares? Is there anybody who wants to stay home for me? I think because this world is increasingly disconnected, Increasingly searching for significance, it highlights the importance of us to understand what a biblical blessing is. As you probably know, about a year ago, I started, maybe it's even been a longer time than that, I don't even know, honestly. A long time ago, I started offering a blessing at the end of my sermon. I started doing it because as I began to read Scripture, and especially as I looked at the New Testament letters and how they ended, I thought, they end with blessings. So what better way to be a people of the book than to do what the book does? And so I began to end my sermons with biblical blessings. 
And one of the things that has surprised me in reaction and response to that has been the number of people who say that's one of the most significant things that happens to me all week. Simple words of affirmation and simple words of blessing. And so this morning we're going to talk about blessings. What are blessings and why then should we offer blessings? Now, as you were to look at the Bible, if you were to look at, at, at all of the terminology dealing with blessings, you're going to find there's a lot of different ways blessings are used, a lot of different directions of blessings. But we're going to talk about it this morning in a very specific way, talking about blessings within families and also blessings within uh, the religious community. And we find that fathers often, near the time of their death, would always offer a blessing over their sons. Before a time of a long period of separation, families would offer blessings over one another. Sometimes even as a greeting, they would offer a blessing if it had been a time that they had seen each other. And clearly as a part of, of the Old Testament, the blessings was a part of their formal worship. Many of those blessings that, that Hayden just read for us just give us a, a quick or a brief sampling of, of, of what is, is uh, elements or essences of blessings. So here's a definition we'll be working with this morning as we talk about blessings. Blessings are hope-infused prayers in which one person asks the generous God to pour out his riches in a very specific way on another. And so what we're going to do is we're going to break down this definition and help us to understand both what it means and then the significance for us today. And so I will begin by reading from Numbers chapter 22, beginning through verse 27. And I suspect you've probably heard this before. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the Israelites. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. So as we look at this passage and as we look at blessings, the first thing that we want to recognize is that blessings are prayers. And then there's this fancy word up there in the jussive mode. Now, if you're as competent at your Hebrew as I am, that means the first thing you do is you reach for your basics of Hebrew grammar, which is what I did, and you look for a definition of what does it mean for something to be in the jussive mode. And my basic biblical grammar says that this phrase or this mood expresses some type of mild command or strong wish. And in fact, it's in the same form as you'll see a command. So this type of prayer can be confused for a command. How do you know if it's a command or if it's a request? Well, you have to look at the context. So, for example, if a parent says to their child, pick up your dirty clothes, we would say that's a command. But if we were to say to God, pick up my dirty clothes, well, we'd have to say that was in the jussive mode because we certainly are not bossing around God, but we are telling him what to do in the form of a request. So these are strong words and strong ways of requesting and of imploring God. And we're begging and we're asking God to bring about in prayer a specific reality. And it's not something that's very general. It's in fact something that's very specific that we ask of God. 
We ask it in a form that could be seen as a command, and yet we recognize before God we have no right to command anything, so we, ble- we ask for this blessing to come upon another. The blessings are also hope-infused. When we offer a blessing, what we are doing is we are asking for a not-yet-reality to become an actual reality in someone's life. We're asking for God to, to bring these good things into the life of someone. Now, there's the opposite of a blessing. Um, it's called an imprecatory prayer. An imprecatory prayer is where you pray not for something hope-infused, good to happen to someone, but you're praying that, man, something painful and tragic will happen to someone. Example of this, Psalm 5.10. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsel. Because by their many transgressions, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. So the opposite of blessing now is this form of asking curses upon someone. So we, as a people, we pray to God, asking and requesting something in the future on the behalf of another. It is next, we see it as a prayer to the generous God. There, there is no point of, of begging of God or of imploring for God to bless someone if God is not a God who enjoys blessing people. If it is outside the will of God to bring blessing to people, then why would we ever offer it? If we go back to number six, we will find there is the statement, the Lord bless you. The Lord make his face. The Lord turn his face. And there is, as Patrick Miller points out, the repetition of the Lord, which is unnecessary and redundant. In other words, you typically say the Lord, and then he, and then he, except there is this emphasis. If any of these things are going to come about, the source of all of this goodness will be from God himself. When we are asking a blessing on someone, we are asking for God to provide and for God to work, and for God to intervene in that person's life. So we have to believe that God longs to bless people. So can we prove that scripturally, that God longs to bless people? If we go in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning of verse 20, we will find God acting of his own volition, of his own desire. And so the text says, Genesis 1:20, and God said... Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm, and every winged bird of every kind, and God saw that it was good. As creation is being described here, one of the things that is being highlighted is its abundance. Things are teeming. There is plenty of things happening, and it's all by God's provision. And we have the declaration statement, it is good. Now, before we go on to verse 22, I want to uh, take a little journey here. You've probably never heard of a guy. His name is Arthur Shifto. Arthur Shifto was a copywriter. He was hired by a company based in Fremont, Ohio to market their product, Quick Cut, which they said was a great product, but it wasn't selling. And so they hire Shifto, and one of the first things he does is he comes in and he renames the product the Ginsu Knife, or the Jinsu Knife. Have you ever heard of that? And he began what is known by many to be one of the most famous infomercial um, advertising programs. He orchestrated some 
phrases I'm guessing you've heard. Things like, now how much would you pay? Or act now and you'll receive. Or but wait, there's more. Have you heard any of those phrases before? See, that's actually, if, if Genesis 1 were an infomercial, what has just happened is all these great benefits and blessings, these teeming waters, creation being good, has all been laid out. And then God says, but wait, there's more. And so in the 22nd verse of Genesis 1, God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply the earth. See, when God blesses something, he takes something that is already good, and I know the grammar's bad, and he makes it more gooder. 